Hey guys, welcome to Live at the Nupa, which is, uh, I guess, our squirrel attempt at doing a weekly podcast. So I'm JB, I'm the founder of Squirrel. I've been uh, floating around here for a good 15 years, and today with me is uh, DC. Yep, David Cunningham. I'm the chief squirrel now. I took that mantle on from JB nine months ago. So yeah, what are we, why are we doing this, JB? I don't know, a couple of mad ex-bankers, uh, I guess, uh, throwing our view out into the ether and... Uh, I guess giving regular Kiwis a bit of a sense for what's going on and how that translates back into their lives. Yeah. You know, like I guess mortgage rates, you know, we're constantly talking about that, house prices, but really anything that's relevant to everyday Kiwis. Yeah, new products and things, maybe a bit of stuff going off going on in the offshore markets as well. Yeah, uh, I, I, I love the offshore stuff. I mean, I, I'm sure at some point we're going to talk about the American banking system because yeah. it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, hey, everything, recessions, well, well, I guess our perspective of what's happening out there in the world. Of course, it's only one perspective. It's, yeah, it's yeah. from a couple of uh, old bankers. Yeah. But so who do you reckon will be interested in hearing us blabber on JB? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But um, let's, let's get into it, eh? Yeah, okay. Hey, um, so JB, you've sort of given your view on interest rates um, recently. What's your sort of current take? And then maybe I'll share my thoughts. Yeah, well, I guess starting point is, is the OCA going to go another 25, right? Yep, so and that's 24th of May is the next date, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So look, I, I reckon they're going to go another 25. And, and I think the reason that they're going to go another 25 is I think the Reserve Bank likes to signal and then do what it said it's going to do. And as much as I think there's a lot of data out there now saying maybe they shouldn't and, and there'll be increasing pressure out there to say they shouldn't, mm. like I think a lot of commentators will come out and say yeah. that they yeah. shouldn't move again. Yeah. I think they will. Yeah, well, it's interesting, eh? Because we've seen Kiwi Bank's economists say they shouldn't, but they will, which is sort of what you're saying, I think. Actually, yeah. I'm in the other camp. I'm in the camp of that the monetary policy tightening cycle is over in New Zealand from an OCR <laughs> perspective. Yeah. And I'll give you five reasons why. So for our listeners, you know, <laughs> you can make your judgment. So here's my view. Um, First, first reason is that inflation is starting to fall. And you've seen that the world over. Yep. You know, New Zealand's inflation rate came out uh, 6.7 6.7 yeah. it was 0.6 below the reserve bank's expectation you've seen those below expectation inflation outcomes in quite a few countries around the world so maybe we can talk a bit more about that in a minute because it's yep. really fascinating yeah sure so anyway you have got that inflation yeah, sort of absolutely. downtrend starting to take 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 um, take effect look this the biggest reason is that although when i say the monetary policy tightening is over it ain't for households no. because households, as all of our listeners will know, have almost entirely fixed rate loans. It's about 90% of the market. And you know, the lowest point in, in interest rates, the average interest rate for households was 3.2%. That was a bit over a year ago. It's now 4.1. What's the best mortgage rate you can get today, JB? Oh, six. Six. So it's got a six in it, right? So that 4.1 is headed to 5.7 if nothing changes over the next 12 months. So we've yep. got another 1.6% to come on mortgage rates for households compared to the 0.9 we've had so far. So that's why I say the tightening cycle over because the Reserve Bank should now sit and watch and wait and see that flow through. And we're already as mortgage brokers, we're seeing that day in, day out. Yeah, um, totally. in the market, the pain that households are going to experience is massive. Well, to be honest, Dave, I think they should have probably set out the last OCR increase, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is the thing. What they, should they have done? What have they done? And what will they do? Anyway, I'll carry on with my argument for why they shouldn't tighten. 
Third reason is swap rates have fallen. Since the last OCR, ironically, yeah. interest rates have fallen apart from yeah. the one-year term. So we've now got the two to five-year swap rates all below 5%. And interestingly, after the last OCR, banks put up their fixed rates a little bit. Mm. And yet swap rates are lower. So, you know, they should... Uh, uh, they, they, they should come down slightly. So I'm sort of starting to get into what will happen into mortgage rates. And I think the fifth thing is that we've seen both the Fed in the US and in Australia, the Reserve Bank governor saying quite explicitly that, that we're at or near the end of the cycle. And especially in Australia, they've signaled that they're gonna sort of sit and watch and wait. So five pretty compelling reasons for me why the Reserve Bank should sit on their hands. I think it would be lunacy for them to raise the OCR <laughs> anymore. But, and look, I don't think the Reserve Bank's run by lunatics. So that's my reason for why I think uh, we've seen the end of the rate hikes in New Zealand and now it's a matter of watching and waiting. And I think that will mean not, not necessarily that mortgage rates will fall much but this year, but next year I think yeah. they'll start to fall quite a bit. The key is, of course, inflation. So, uh, yeah, I'm in the sort of watch and wait camp. You're in the they'll do it camp. Well, I, I just think they'll deliver on the promise. They, they said they'd peak at five and a half. I think they'll go there. And the, see, the thing is, it won't actually change fixed rates at all. So it's not going to change mortgage rates. You know, that, that last OCR change is, is going to be quite semantic in terms of what it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, mortgage rates aren't really going to, except for the floating rate, yeah. which will obviously so Actually, move. I suppose that's a good entree into deposit rates. Because what's happened to deposit rates with all these OCR hikes? We've had 11 hikes so far. Yeah, well, I mean, as we both know, and you write about quite frequently these days, um, yeah, I mean, look, banks are making a lot of money off not moving floating rates, right? Yeah, floating savings rates, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, oh, and look, um, yeah, so for mortgage customers out there, I guess it's, it's, it's been a good thing, you know, mm. because like when we got early in the cycle, um, you know, everyone was talking about mortgage rates going to eight or nine percent. And uh, I mean, we came out and said they wouldn't. Um, and, and the reason we said they wouldn't is because, you know, as ex-bankers, we know how it works, right? Mm. Uh, that in a rising rate environment, banks make more money on deposits because they just don't pass the OCR increases through to their deposit base and they use the additional money they're making on deposits to compete more aggressively in the mortgage space and, and mortgage margins contract. And right. we've seen that, right? So gross margins back at the start of the cycle were sitting around 2.6%. So, so for the average punter out there, what it means is the difference between where banks fund mortgages and, and, and the customer rates was around 2.6% at the bottom of a cycle. And that's because they weren't making money on deposits. Interest mm. rates were so low. And now I think, you know, on average, we're probably sitting on margins of 1.3%. So they've, they're pretty much halved. So JB, that sounds like what I'd call cross-subsidisation. New Zealand <laughs> savers are subsidising our homeowners. Is that fair? Well, that's life, isn't it? I mean... Well, it's uh, life and banking, <laughs> but is that fair? That's the question. Of course it's not fair. It, it, it needs competition to drive a different outcome. Um, it's funny, actually, because that's what we're seeing in the States at the moment, right? So without diving into the states too much, because it's a complex issue and we could probably do that another day, the, the reality is that you know, we, we've all wondered how they did these 30, 40 year, you know, one and a half percent mortgage rates. And it turns out, well, the only reason they did it is they didn't hedge their risk. Yeah. Um, now that's a slightly complicated concept for the, the average punter out there, but basically when banks go and do fixed rates, they go and insure it so that um, if rates go up or down, it doesn't matter, right? That's what happens in, in most markets, like in, certainly in New Zealand, Australia, Europe, but not in the US. They weren't hedging the risk. So it's making 101, though, isn't it? 
Yeah, but this is the thing, right? So what's happened is that they've got all these really cheap mortgage rates out there, which means they've got to keep their savings rates down. So right. all the US banks are still only paying like half a percent on a savings account. And their Fed funds rates, what, five? Five, five, five and a quarter? Yeah, yeah. yeah and so, um, so Apple's come out and they've just launched this 4.3% um, savings account. Yep. And none of the banks will be able to compete with it mm. because they're still sitting with all these mortgages at one and a half percent. Yeah, so Apple couldn't have done that 18 months ago when interest rates were about zero pretty much or even negative, but yep. now suddenly 5% higher, it's just a golden opportunity for them. And no competition. So is that happening or going to happen in New Zealand? Well, I guess uh, you could say- <laughs> Loaded <we're>, question. <laughs> loaded question. We're, we're going to try and help that process. So do you want to talk to that? Yeah, well, yeah, Squirrel's call account. So as some of our listeners will know, Squirrel uh, is a peer-to-peer lender, has a peer-to-peer lending license, and we offer term investments, which is effectively investments into registered first mortgages with New Zealanders, but also the wallet where you put your money in to hold it before you make an investment called our Squirrel call account, um, pays interest at a rate of 5%. So that's 5%, it's held on trust with one of New Zealand's major AA minus rated uh, banks. So there's a way in New Zealand to earn 5% uh, by effectively using Squirrel to deposit your money uh, with, a, with a big bank, um, 5%. Um, any other examples in New well, Zealand? Bloody good, really, isn't it? I mean, Shares has come out with a savings account. I think theirs is, what, 4.35? 4.35, so a bit like, bit like the Apple sort of uh, level. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, but, but a good product uh, yeah. and, and accessible. Um, I guess you've got probably the advent more of these notice saver type products, right? Yeah, but yeah. they're a bit more restricted. You can't access yeah. your money for 30 or 90 days. Yeah. They behave a little bit more like a term deposit. Yeah, yeah. actually I did a, uh, did, a, did a bit of an update a couple of weeks ago and just updated it, which is, a, uh, you'll find it on, our, um, on the Squirrel website under blogs, under savings blogs, and it's called the best and worst bank savings accounts in New Zealand. And um, it's sort of interesting because they're really two sorts of pure savings accounts. When I say pure, it means your money's on call, there's no notice period. And we looked at the no strings attached ones, in other words, you put your money in, you take it take it out, and you get the rate, you know, daily interest, calculated um, daily, paid monthly. And then there's the strings attached savings accounts, and it's the strings attached ones that tend to pay the best rates. So you've sort of got generally a rate, um, you know, Rabobank 475, Co-op Bank 450, but you have to do something, there's a string attached. You have to make a deposit, no withdrawals, or the balance needs to go up, or a variety of sort of things. So you only get that top rate if you do something. If you don't, then the underlying rate is often you know, around one or 2%. So that's the strings attached. The no strings attached one tends to tend to pay much lower interest rates. So here's an example. Um, ASB pays 2.25% for no strings attached, and 465 with the strings attached. So you do what um, the conditions of the account are, you do really well, but if you happen not to or you need to take some money out, um, it's not such a sort of a good deal. So, you know, it's certainly worth a, worth a, worth a read that report. Um, if you want to lock your money away for a bit, notice savers actually are a pretty good option. And it's the sort of, so, so JB, why did banks launch those notice saver accounts? What's the logic of it? Like, why make you lock your money away? Well, I, yeah, I, I, it's like it's like anything in the world, right? I, I guess it, it, you know, at its most simplistic, banking's quite quite simple, right? It's right. so, like yeah, you put savings in an account, you earn interest, you borrow money, you pay interest, and there you know, put a little bit more complexity around it, but but it's it's, it's really that simple. So 
you know, all of these products and all of this invention is simply crafting ways to negotiate with customers how much of their money you're going to take. Yep. Um, so, so you kind of create this idea of limitations mm -hmm. to give the customer more, but they're trading it off against yeah. limited access, uh, minimum amounts or bonuses. Um, but it's, it's just a simple trade-off. But here's the thing. I mean, at, at its core, it's just a very simple product, right? This mm. all is. And there's, there's no real need to differentiate mm. this stuff. A savings account is a savings account is a savings account. You just put your money in it mm. and you mm. earn an interest rate. Yeah. yeah, I suppose you could sort of argue that every bank in New Zealand should have only one account. It's called yeah. a transaction account that pays a good rate of interest. Yeah, yeah oh, totally. Look, um, but there's a, it's, it's, a, it's one of the challenges with financial services. You know, people invent new products, but they're not really new products. It's just mm. an account with an interest rate on mm. it. They give it a new name put a couple of features or limitations on it mm. and throw it out into the market. But what they also do is they grandfather all of their old products. And so you get this situation where lots of people will be sitting in accounts that are no longer advertised um, yeah. and have quite low interest rates on them. And they won't know because look, the problem is, I reckon that the fundamental problem is if someone says, if you do this, it's gonna cost you $200, you go, oh, oh, that's expensive. Maybe I won't do that or I'll do something else. Whereas Savings is just not giving you money that you would otherwise yeah, get, yeah, right? It's something so you, you never had that you're missing out on. But so you don't so notice how do you, it, right? How do you teach New Zealanders about that? Well, I don't know. I guess you just have to turn it into cold, hard facts. And, mm. and people just need to confront or, or sort of, I guess, lean in to exactly how much it's costing yeah. them. Like, so, so I was researching this the other day, and, and you know, the big insight for me was that there's $44 billion sitting in transaction accounts. That's his household transaction accounts. 44 that's, billion. That's reserve bank data. Yeah. That 44 Staggering billion. Number, do you know right? what interest rate it's earning? This is in savings accounts. No, no, in transaction accounts. Oh, transaction accounts. Jeez, well, zero. Zero. We're close to zero. Exactly. Yeah. And so 18 months ago, the bank could put that out with the reserve bank or whatever it is, a lender at bugger all, right? Yeah. 0.25. Today, yeah. they can get 5.25 on it. Yeah. What's 5.25% times 44 billion? Uh, just over 2 billion. Yeah, yeah. 2 billion. And, and as you were saying, you know, it's <laughs> sort of like, it's, it, it's sort of your money, actually. If some of that's yours, it's well, your it, money it is. that the bank's making money off. And it's yeah. gone from almost nothing yeah. to 2 billion in the space of 18 months. If you think about bank <laughs> profits, mate, bank <laughs> profits were 9.96 yeah. billion in 2022. 2.3 billion of that would have disappeared or, or suddenly appeared effectively because interest rates rose. It is, it is fascinating, right? So, so 44 billion, that's 44 billion of our money. Billion. That's $11,000 of our yeah. per person for four, assuming there are 4 yeah. million people yeah. with bank accounts now. Of course, yeah. it's spread all over. So for some people, it's a lot of money. So right? that's all of us, all of our money sitting in the bank for which we get no interest and the bank is earning $2.2 billion of interest on those funds by investing it. Exactly, yeah. I was, I was telling a friend- it's, it's, a, it's a big number. Yeah, here's a little story. I was telling a friend about this the other day and she's a, um, a project manager and a contractor. Mm. And so she gets all her contract income and puts a little bit aside for tax. Um, and I said, oh, how much you got set aside? And she said, oh, about 50 or $60,000. And I said, what interest rate are you earning on it? And she goes, well, I don't know. And I said, well, throw it with squirrel, you get 5%. That's 60,000 times 5%, $3,000. She just about wet a bloody pants in excitement. <laughs> and yet there are 
literally hundreds of thousands of New Zealanders that doing this. Doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah. yeah, so how do we spread the word? Maybe oh. it's people that were listening yeah. to this that share the story, I suppose. Yeah, but look, it's the same with mortgages. You yeah. know, how often do you see people with money sitting in savings accounts at the same time as paying their mortgage? Mm. You know, there's just, yeah. there's so yeah. much of this, this goes on. So much of this, I, I guess you could call it uh, lazy behavior or just not being too aware of maybe what the benefits are of managing your money a bit better mm. but um, mm. look some people do it religiously we get clients that come in with detailed spreadsheets and mm. you know most of us aren't created that way I certainly aren't um, <laughs> but but some people are you know some people do this incredibly well yeah. the vast majority of us don't and I guess it sneaks up on you because you know like if you, as you said 18 months ago the cost to me of just leaving my money in the transaction account was probably close to zero yeah exactly and so it's yeah. only something yeah. that, it's the opportunity cost that yeah. suddenly arrived yeah. and it's probably quite yeah. a big number for, for a lot some of people, people are onto it they're probably the sort of people that go shopping with a shopping list as well <laughs> I suspect <laughs> early um, on the, the rest of us will catch up eventually yeah yeah so yeah, so we're busy pointing it out uh, and and writing about it. Um, I guess we're hey, co covering a lot of ground here. But yeah, I was just going to ask you about house prices. You know, what what are you seeing out there when you're talking to clients, and what's the well, I reckon. Like well, it's, yes, so it's, it's kind of interesting, right? So there's probably a couple of things that we're maybe throwing into the mix today, and then we probably wrap it up because we, we've got so much to talk about over the coming weeks. But um, I reckon let's start with the inflation number because, it, as you said, it was a bit of a surprise. I, I, you know, because if you think about what happened with inflation the week before, we had that really high inflation number come through on food, right? And um, what we saw in wholesale markets is we saw interest rates spike up because that was bad news for interest rates, and um, and, and everyone was like, "Ooh, you know, that, that was a bit of a scary number." And, uh, and then a week later, we actually saw the, the, the actual inflation number come in quite a bit weaker. And got to remember that, that that's from 7.2 to 6.7. That's the annualized inflation number. So one of the problems of inflation is that's looking back on the past mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and you've got to remember that. You know, it's, it's really in the rear vision, Murray. It's, it's not looking at what's happening in the world today. It's kind of looking back at the last year. And the funny thing is, you know, over the last year, we knew there was a lot of inflation out there, right? Mm. And the number's dropping. And, and it's dropping in an environment where the food inflation was really high due to mm. seasonal factors and storms and yeah. weather yeah. events. So you think construction's slowing down a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, construction is, is probably in a pretty nasty recession now. Mm -hmm. um, you've got uh, food inflation that will come back because mm -hmm. it, was, it was storm related. Um, you've got uh, increasing immigration, which is going to take some pressure off wage inflation or services inflation. Um, so you've got all of these things happening. You, you know, you've got to feel that that inflation number is definitely starting to come back quite strongly. And then you were talking earlier about the fact that we've still got about another 1% of sort of monetary tightening to come through on the mortgage rates and that's already hurting and it's already changing consumer behaviours. You, you kind So of does that sort of mean demand from households will fall and over the course of the year supply will improve in terms of you know those those uh, availability of fruit and vegetables at lower prices will so you know your sort of supply and demand traditional economics 101 will play out yeah well, and also just unemployment you know yeah. like look at the number of companies that are retrenching uh, at the moment you know zero just laid off 800 staff um, I think we've had a number of companies, particularly in the IT sector, laying off people um, mm. to, to try and get themselves to profitability. But then, you know, wider than that, uh, the warehouse, I guess businesses are having to face into an environment where they've got uh, increasing costs and reducing demand, right? 
which is a real scary place to be for a business because it's, it's kind of the jaws of death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so businesses are responding to that. They're looking at productivity. They're looking at ways that they can do things, um, I guess, better, faster, cheaper, because they have to. Um, that's going to flow through into the economy. It is flowing through into the economy. You know, everyone's talking about a recession. I suggest we're already in one. Um, how nasty it gets, I, I guess, is anyone's guess. But, but what it does mean is I think inflation is sort of under control. You've got inflation under control, which says we're at the peak interest rates, you know, and, um, and from here, everyone's sort of starting to talk about reducing interest rates. Interest rates is the single biggest driver of house prices. You know, those really low rates we had through COVID, they mm. kicked us through a period of excessive house prices. Mm. Um, and, and then interest rates come up and we've seen house prices fall more than they did in the GFC. Mm. Like, I, I don't recall exactly what the number was in the GFC, but I think nominal rates, um, prices fell about 10%. We're closer to 20 this time around, I think. Mm. Markets and, like Wellington and Auckland, Wellington especially where I come from, oh is like 25% down. But having gone up 50%, of course. So. Yeah, yeah. And so you go, okay, well, so prices are down 20%. That's more than the GFC. Remember that we've had, over, that, over the last 18 months, we've probably had about 10% inflation. So real house prices are actually down 30 to 35%, mm, which mm. means that uh, as a percentage of income and everything else, if, if you sort of move your way back to neutral interest rates, we're probably back to getting close to back to normal, right? Yeah. Is that why, do you think, it might be why the Reserve Bank has signaled it's going to lower the, or change the LVR requirements to make it a little bit easier for first home buyers especially? Yeah, look, I, you know, to what extent is the LVR rule really around financial stability and how much of it was the Reserve Bank interfering in the housing market to sort of try and get price control back into the market, right? Yeah. Like, the market was crazy. No matter what they threw at it, it mm. didn't seem to fix itself. Yeah, government threw, you know, taxation changes and bright line tests and banning immigrants from buying houses and all that didn't yep. make a s single bit of difference because it was the interest rate that was wrong, right? It was way too low. Yeah, oh, 100%. So um, are you sort of saying the interest rate now is too high relative to what it should be and so we're going to start to see that unwind and start to feed house... Yeah, I guess stability I, in house prices, yeah, I, I guess that's the first stop, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't say the interest rate is too high to where it should be. It's at the top of a cycle, and this time yeah, around, yeah. It's, um, it's a lot lower than it was in the previous cycle, right? Because last time around, interest rates got to 10%. So, um, look, the reality is inflation was there. They had to kill it. The only effective way of killing inflation is high interest rates. Mm. Um, the, I think the thing that people miss is that there's so much debt in New Zealand. I mean, I've get the number, it's about what, 370 billion in That's residential old, mortgages? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a big number, right? It's a staggeringly big number. So it doesn't take huge swings in interest rates to bring the economy to its knees. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I think you and I have But it's sort of like a slow train wreck, eh? You know, because everyone's yeah. on fixed rates. It's like, it's just that slow motion train wreck, but that train wreck can't not happen, I suppose, is the point. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, we're in it. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but because of the impact on, on borrowers, right? So, I mean, the, the change in interest rates that we've seen is, you know, in, in a lot of instances, has doubled 
people's repayments. Mm. So, mm. you know, the, the impact and flow through impact of that on yeah. consumption is yeah. massive. Perhaps next week, JB, we can talk a bit about how, how we can so- help uh, customers soften the blow of those incre- interest rate increases. Um, so, yeah. hey, back to house prices. My sort of question yeah. about five minutes ago was <laughs> uh, what's happening with house prices? Have they stopped I think falling? The, I or? think they have. I think, I think, I think yeah. the bottom there, look, if you read the media now, you sort of start to see the tones changing a bit. Right. Uh, I've noticed yeah. it a lot in the last two or three weeks. We've probably got our highest level of mortgage applications we've had in two or three years. Really? Wow. Yeah, but I mean, not, not, I don't want to suggest that suddenly the market's taking off again because it's not going to, right? But it, it's been incredibly dead. I mean, on a per capita basis, the last six months was worse than the GFC. Mm. Uh, a lot worse. If I mean, it wasn't housing turnover the lowest since records started 40 years ago. Yeah, and, that and was, our economy must be two or three times the size. That's, that's it, right? Yeah. So per capita, the numbers that mm. we've been seeing for the last six months were anemic. Mm. And, uh, and I guess that's why house prices have fallen as much as they have, mm. is because there's been a really massive supply-demand imbalance, um, and people just haven't been to, haven't wanted to buy a falling knife, you know? Why would you yeah. want to catch a falling knife? But, <laughs> um, so, but, you know, why are house prices starting to settle down? I think two reasons. Um, one is it looks like interest rates have peaked and people were worried about rates of 8 or 9%. So I think that rates have peaked at 6 to 6.5. People can wrap their head around that and they can, they can kind of understand it. The, the second um, reason I think is that um, well, it's probably, it's immigration's back. Yeah, mm. and and Gee, we've seen that in Australia, haven't we? Because well, there's, a, there's a rental sh- crisis in, the, in Australia now. Yeah, uh, what, another Literally. crisis. So we got what have we got? Climate, <laughs> health, train crisis in Wellington right now. The the, the, the one, ferry crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got a rental crisis. Yeah, well, see, well the thing Sydney it, has anyway. Yeah, well, no, yeah. it's broader than that. So yeah. um, I'm I'm hearing stories of just literally hundreds of people turning up for properties and ending up in these auctions. Yeah. and missing out, which we've seen here as well in the past. Um, I, I've got a client buying a property in Brisbane at the moment uh, because he couldn't find a property for his daughter to rent. So he's gone and bought one. Yeah. He, he, he was over there, he's literally like, you would not believe it. There's just nothing yeah. and it's so really is hard. is that really coming to New Zealand? Are we already seeing ten, uh, challenges in that rental market? No, I don't think we are yet, but, yes. but, but look, it doesn't take much. You know, when you have really high levels of immigration, which we've got at the moment, um, that's, gonna, that's basically gonna underpin the housing market again. Mm. You know, like um, for a long time, the apartment market in Auckland's been really, really soft because no international students, mm. very low levels of immigration, the, the, the CBD's emptied out, right? Yeah, but um, it's filling up fast. But it's filling up fast and, and you know, um, and it's been quite noticeable. So I think, you know, as landlords start to, you know, have tenants back and have a bit of demand coming through and maybe get a little bit of mm. uh, a rental increase coming mm. through as well, you know, yeah. that, that will start to, um, I think underpin the market a little so bit. So JB, uh, you heard, we heard it. You heard it here first. Um, JB's call is that the property market is sort of <laughs> forming a bottom. Might be a nice way to describe well, it. Well, I think everyone in terms of prices. To be yeah. fair, everyone's sort of saying that. Um, yeah. Most people are saying it will be around June, July. I think the reality is it's already there. It just yeah. takes the media two or three months to report it. Yeah, yeah, it's always dark as just before dawn, right? <laughs> so yeah. But but it's not going to take off again either, right? I don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, you got to quit getting in and the market's going to yeah, take off again. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not. Yeah. I think post-GFC, it sort of was four or five years of fairly flat prices and so on. And so, you know, I guess as a buyer, you've sort of got time, you've got a lot of choice in the market at the moment. 
um, as a seller, you know, you've adapted to, you know, your price being lower than it was, but higher than it was pre-COVID, I guess. So yeah. you know, ultimately everyone ends up happy-ish. <laughs> yeah, look, I guess each week, you know, we're going to be talking about these sort of themes. So these, these themes will evolve over time. I mean, you're not going to get kind of the whole gospel in, a, in, in one, one podcast, but, mm. you know, it'll be interesting over the next yeah. six months just to see mm. how this market evolves mm. with yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah, and hey, amongst all these high interest rates, the great news is if you're a saver, and our older um, part of our population, you know, over 55s have the bulk of the savings and sitting in bank accounts, turn deposits and all that. They're way better off than they were, you know, 18 months ago when interest rates were close to zero. So, you know, you can now easily get sort of over 5% um, in the turn deposit. And as I said before, 5% on call with squirrels. So maybe we'll uh, finish it up there with that little advertisement <laughs> and uh, look forward to talking to you all next week. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.